what's up guys uh welcome to west coast bias um season three episode eight um we're going to be exclusively doing nba it should be a little shorter today um we're going to go over some the jimmy butler trade we're going to go over the draymond durant issues we're going to go over um uh, the celtics issues and uh karis Levert's miracle recovery or not yet recovery but miracle non-injury i suppose um Let's start with the most recent thing, um, Durant, Draymond, drama. The end of an era. Drama at the Clippers game. Are people that hoping this is the end of the era, or is this actually real trouble? That's my question. Oh, KD is definitely leaving. Players were pretty much quoted as saying, that guy's not coming back today. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the end of the dynasty, though, on account of the fact that he's always been an expendable piece there, and they still have Steph Curry and his prime and Draymond. Right, Clay and, prime and, and they'll have a lot of Dalla. money now to to get someone or some other two players um, to replace uh, him. Um, they could just sign to Marcus Cousins. Yeah, that's true. Or they can go out and get. I don't know. Well, they don't really have the cap situation. They can get, they can go ahead and get Jimmy Butler next year. <laughs> once he leaves, they actually once if he... they lose KD, they can't do anything because KD is. I think they're fifty million over the luxury tax line. And KD is only a thirty-five million contract, so they're still hilariously over the cap, so they can't really sign anyone. Yeah, uh, but they could trade KD right now for someone. <laughs> well, it's interesting that then they, I mean, obviously, if you look at it from just the basketball perspective, Draymond had no right to do any of that. Like it was an extremely stupid play um, from him. But then that they went ahead and. Um, not only continued the argument that Draymond made the very valid point that KD is not going to be here next year, um, and then the Warriors went and uh, suspended Draymond for a game. Unclear why. Unclear why. Um, all that shows is that they're valuing somebody who's pretty clearly out the door over a guy who they've you know one of the, one of the three guys they've built their their you know essentially uh, their dynasty around right. Um, Draymond uh, gave him it's me or him and they went with him right and and that seems poor in the short term in the long term and kind of meaningless uh, in the short term so doesn't help their standing across the league either yeah so it's an interesting decision um, I don't know if, if now is the time to talk about where where Durant's going why he would leave and all of that but it does seem like he's leaving um, whether that's to New York or wherever we don't know yet um, he and Karis LeVert are going to be a great pair of New York Knicks, or Nets, rather. Yeah, that, that's that's the move I want to see, the Nets instead of the Knicks. How hilarious would that be? Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a weird situation. Draymond obviously didn't take any shit, even though he was wrong basketball-wise and right, um, I guess, personal, on the personal level. So what the Warriors could have done is just not done anything, which seems like the obvious thing to do, but... Instead, they chose to suspend him. It's not like he punched anybody or, or physically fought anybody or really did anything wrong besides calling Which him a bitch. Which is great because apparently he did almost physically fight Steph Curry, uh, Steve Kerr once, and that yeah. was a no issue. So it's a it's an interesting, interesting thing from the Warriors. I think a lot of people. I think it is definitely an issue, but I think it's more 75% of an issue and the other 25% is people desperately hoping that the Warriors are um, done, um, which they are not for this year. The Thompson's <laughs> going to leave. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah, uh, so that's, that's one thing that happened. This is as fun a point as any, uh, as fun a time as any to remember that Clay Thompson is as old as Draymond Green, who is as old as DeMarcus Cousins. Right. All three are 28 years old, yet somehow Draymond Green feels five years younger than Clay Thompson, who feels three years younger than DeMarcus Cousins. It feels like five years younger than Steph Curry, who's two years older than both of them. So, right. Uh, yeah. It's a weird team. Go Clay Thompson. Um, I mean, if you're just looking at it on paper and you're saying somehow they re-sign all five of these guys, their timeline, Kevin Durant's also only 30 years old, their timeline goes another four years where they yeah. can still contend for championships. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, this will be a discussion for another time, but on paper, there's really, Durant cannot help his reputation by going somewhere else. Um, right, but he also doesn't help it by staying there. Right, but he's going to win more if he stays there. He's not going to win if he goes to the Knicks or... But here's the thing: if he wins a ring with the Knicks, that helps his reputation. Yeah, but he's not going to. He's not going to, and he's he's a very smart guy. He should know that unless the Celtics implode, which we'll get to in a second, or the Sixers implode, or the Bucks implode, um, or the Raptors, or or, you know any of any of the good young Western Conference teams, like he's not him and uh, probably never healthy Porzingis. Is, are not winning a title while he's in his prime in the next three years or so. So, But you've uh, failed to take into account Alonzo Trier, the ISO guy. That's true. Go Alonzo Trier. Repping the Pac-12 undrafted players. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the, the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, was this a... Who won this trade? Did anyone win this trade? Uh, what situations make it a good trade for who and, and what's going on? Uh, Wilson Chandler won this trade because he just gets to start next to three all-stars and J.J. Redick. And he was previously a, a barely used bench player on a team that really didn't need him. And now all of a sudden he's just going to be in all of these best lineups as the fifth guy. So Wilson Chandler won this trade. Right. Uh, uh, unequivocally, the people who lost this trade are the entire coaching staff in front of so the Minnesota Timberwolves, who will get extremely fired, considering that the owner apparently had to go behind their back to get this job done. So and so not only that, but and obviously as we know, the longer you hold on to a player, the worse the offer is going to get. Um, it may be every situation except what the Spurs managed to pry out of the, the Raptors, uh, which was ended up being a good deal for both teams. So that's a different story. But um, that's also simply Kawhi Leonard's a much higher quality of player than even Jimmy right, Butler. Right. Um, the jump from top for the to Sixers. Top five is I I. I it certainly makes them better. I, I don't necessarily dislike the trade for them. Definitely makes them better in the short term. My point is, why did they? F- why do they feel the need to go all in in the short term? Um, the Warriors, it seems like, are somewhere between one and two years from um, not being the Warriors anymore. Um, the Celtics are 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 going to continue to get better. Uh, most likely, the the Raptors are still very good. Like we said, all these teams are still very good, and they're going to get better. The Bucks are continuing continue to get it better. So why did they choose to go all in um, this year? Right, and why did they choose the guy who is a locker room problem with young players who had previously seemed to not be issues until he arrived to do it? Who's also considering... thirty years old and massively injury prone. So right, and also not really much of a shooter. And you're going to bring him onto a team where Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid in particular is a notorious shit talker. And he has only been in the league for three years, only been playing basketball for nine years. 
how is Jimmy Butler going to react to that as a guy who has decided that he is the voice of every locker room he's in? Well, and there's, so there's two situations here. I think, first of all, he's he could either they could either really, really horribly get along in some perverted way um, because he Embiid is like the inverse of Carl Anthony Towns, who Butler clearly hated. Um, right, like uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo, who ended up being best friends. Right. Just so it could work like that, or it could get super volatile, super quick. By all accounts, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid already aren't very close at all. Um, so that already is an issue. Um, so off court. Right, particularly considering that Embiid was actually very close to both Darius Sarge and Robert Cousins. Right. Um, and then you mentioned the shooting briefly, but you just took two out of the best three shooters on the team out of the off the team right um, although it should be noted that Dario Sarge has been terrible this year but historically he's great right um and Covington's a good not great shooter and I, I what they gave up for him is is I don't have an issue with um as I just as I mentioned I think that the the Timberwolves and we'll go over the Timberwolves in a second but the return right, for turned, Jimmy Butler turned, it's not bad paper, they, they didn't have to get they didn't have to trade a pick for him which is kind of remarkable um yep. they didn't even have to trade that that uh is it the Miami pick or the Phoenix pick or whatever the Miami yeah, the pick? Yeah, the um, So that was it. Was good. It was a good deal for them. It could work. I. It, they're still not even on paper better than the Celtics. Um, they lost some of their depth, so now I'd say they're kind of on par with where the Bucks are at. Um, they obviously have more talent in their starting lineup, but the Bucks are better coached and they have Giannis. So, um, and then the Raptors are the deepest and probably most talented team in the league right now. So um, even though Kawhi's been doing a Jimmy Bella and playing every other game. Um, I think that it's, it's just, it's just a strange one that they're going all, they're choosing right now to go all in. I get they've been waiting a long time, but they're very good. They're going to be in the mix to make the finals this year. Anyways, I personally don't think they would have made it, but they were, they were certainly in there. Um, and now they're, just right. a they are, bit closer. They're a first-tier Eastern Conference team, even if there are four teams on that tier now. They're still a first-tier Eastern Conference right. team. Um, and should the Celtics ever figure it out, the Celtics are still clearly quite a bit better than them. Um, yeah. And I'm going to choose to... They'll be our, Celtics will be our next topic, but I choose to believe in Brad Stevens. Um, from Minnesota's perspective, though, um, they did not get a pick um, because of Thibodeau, I'm guessing, didn't want the picks whether or not the Rockets offered the picks that they did or not. Um, right, which sounds like they didn't really offer those right. picks. Right, sounds like they didn't. Miami almost certainly did, and they would have gotten Josh, Josh Richardson Josh back, who is just... a better piece than Sarich and Covington combined. Can we um, argue that Josh Richardson will be a better player than Jimmy Butler in two years? Right, or be Jimmy Butler in two years. He fits exactly. the profile. Exactly. He fits the mold. Paul George or whoever you want to pick, um, whatever Marquette player you want to you want to pick her, but um, go Fresno State. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't get. It's not a not a bad return, but not getting a pick certainly um, hurts, especially when you take into account that both Towns and Wiggins are only are under twenty three. I can't believe Wiggins is twenty three. Um, it's another guy that feels twenty seven. It, it years seems old. like a long time ago that that. Wiggins for love trade happened, but I guess it really wasn't that long ago. Um, it also doesn't help that I was hearing about Wiggins for three years before he arrived. Yes, there. I think that's that's very true as well. Um, but it definitely doesn't make them better. It could make them a little more cohesive, but at the end of the day, they're still coached by Thibodeau, who is clearly living in 
somewhere between 2006 and 2013. Um, still, they're still in a very deep West who, you know, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of flaws, but they're still undeniably deep. Um, so they don't really look like a playoff team, especially with how well the Clippers and the Kings and the Grizzlies are playing. Um, so that's an issue. Uh, Towns, I just have no faith in at this point. He just He's just one of those guys that just doesn't seem to have what it takes to be a number one guy. Um, and I'd say the NBA, more than any other sport, you really need to be that kind of alpha guy to lead a team, and he's not. He's, he's self-described as just another piece. And you don't have to be Jimmy Butler. You don't have to be an asshole to be that guy. Yeah. You can, there are plenty of leaders who are nothing like that. For instance, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry... Kevin Durant, although he's got some other issues. Russell Westbrook, who a lot of people think is that guy until they actually listen to him. Yeah. As opposed to Chris Paul, who nobody thinks is that guy until they actually listen to him. Yeah, Chris Paul is at least, he's an asshole, but he's a smart asshole. Um, right, which uh, it's probably have with Jimmy Butler that I don't yeah. have with either Chris Paul or Rondo. I mean, there's not a lot of Jimmy Butlers out there that people just... Right, he's kind of, he's kind of from a previous mold. Yeah. There's from the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan mold of people right. who... Did not tolerate anything but greatness and didn't really have any justification for doing so. On the the, the topic of Kobe Bryant, um, let's talk about the depressing downfall of Jason Tatum this year. Um, Can't believe what he did to poor Jason Tatum. So, yes. So there's a few, a few theories floating around here. First of all, that Kobe Bryant coached a long 20-footer into Jason Tatum um, after it seemed like Stevens had coached out of him. Now, Tatum was... He did do this in college, but he, it wasn't an excessive problem. Like, it wasn't like he was jacking 25 shots a game in college. Um, he wasn't particularly efficient, but he also wasn't wildly inefficient. Um, and then after what he did last year, uh, it was kind of shocking to see him now. I watched the Blazer game on Sunday. So the Celtics are 7-6, and 8-6 and six right now, which is not good. Um, and they have plenty of issues um, but Jason Tatum's taking 20 footers instead of 23 footers is I think among the biggest of them um, so, Jason yeah. Tatum's percentage of field goal attempted by distance uh, he is now attempting .233 from between 16 feet and 3 point range uh, which you may note he is making .275 of those Yeah, so he's shooting 27% on long twos essentially which is not good um, Right, and he is attempting one in four shots as a long two, and right. only attempting which is absurd because he's one in five at the rim. And obviously, he's twenty, and um, I think the more the the worst part if you're a Celtics fan, right, is that it seems like Stevens is really struggling to find uh, the best team. And I think we both agree that uh, this team is probably better without Gordon Hayward, who I recently yes. learned may be uh, very far right. Uh, a little bit of a yeah. Bummer. Fun fact. Fun fact about that is. Uh, Apparently, Gordon Hayward's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Apparently, he follows numerous uh, far-right conspiracy theorists, which is on Instagram and Twitter, which is kind of depressing because he looks more like a guy who grew up in central Indiana and, you know, loves the Bible more than someone who grew up in central Indiana and might be a Nazi. So Yeah, but that's the thing about central Indiana. It really goes really both know. ways. Um, but aside from his unfortunate... And he also, I, I would mention that his hairstyle does nothing to to detract from that <laughs> theory. <laughs> I'd like to personally apologize to Jalen Brown, who has to deal with Kyrie Irving's flat earth shit, Gordon Hayward's conspiracy theory shit, and Jason Tatum's 
addiction to mid-range jumpers that anybody who knows how to read numbers can tell you was bad. You think him and Al Horford just sit in the corner on the team bus and shake their head? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Gordon Hayward is not playing well. He, it's understandable that he still doesn't have confidence in his ankle, which is fine, but he's not playing defense up to anywhere near the level he did in Utah, um, which is weird considering the rest of that team, even though they've been struggling, is still a top two or three defensive team in the league. Um, he's not playing well offensively. He's, he doesn't look comfortable taking shots. A, a byproduct of Tatum's uh, proclivity to long twos is that he's also just taking more shots and looks, if not more confident, definitely more Kobe-like, um, which kind of goes with irrational confidence. Um, their offense just looks horrible, and most importantly of all, I think Rozier and Brown um, are not getting minutes, uh, and we're seeing that they're actually... While last year maybe we thought that Stevens dragged this team to the playoffs with players that weren't that good, um, which I think is definitely part of the equation. I think now we see that actually maybe Rogier and uh, Jalen Brown are actually both really good players and need more minutes. Right. I mean, why would you, with all due respect to Marcus Smart, who's an elite defender who can, despite the fact that he's five foot ten, defense centers, why is Marcus Smart getting time with the starters in late-game situations when Jalen Brown is also an elite defender but can actually hit spot-up shots? Right. Um so yeah, it's 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 a weird situation in Boston. Um, the Bucks, another team that the Blazers recently beat on their home stretch. Um, so Giannis, I think right now is pretty clearly the best player in the league when since Anthony Davis has not been healthy or playing as well as he did to start the season recently. Right, but, which a lot of that actually I think comes down to Nick Lemieux more than it does come down to Anthony right. Davis, but still. Um, uh, both of those guys are guys who have really looked poised for MVP seasons in the first five games because the performance is somewhat next to them. Miritich for Davis and everybody really on the Bucks, but in particular Chris Middleton. Uh, now that there's a real second threat on that team, and sometimes when Eric Bledsoe's play enough to it, there's a third threat, Giannis Antetokounmpo can just go wild. Yeah. Um, my problem with Giannis is that, yeah, he can take the ball from half court to the to the you know basket in two steps. But when I was watching that game against the Blazers, it's his lack of an outside shot just doesn't, like, he's not like even LeBron, where you're worried he's just going to pull up. And no matter how good he is and how long he is, that's just not a terrifying player to go up against in the playoffs when you know if you're playing good defense and when defense starts to tighten up that you're going to be able to stop him by just making him take a jump shot, which is obviously easier said than done. But he is not quite Ben Simmons, but still cannot take a jump shot, and I think that really stops him from going where he needs to be. So I think he really needs to add that. Right, and there's tiers of bad shooters. There's people like him who are really guys who just can take one or two shots a game, and if they make one in four, that's good enough. They just need to have a shot to keep defenses honest. Then there's guys like LeBron who, like you mentioned, aren't objectively aren't good shooters, but they're still pull-up threats. They're still guys you have to guard all the way down the court. And then there's literally just Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, who are the ball handlers that you do not have to worry about shooting at any point. They will not keep you honest. Yeah. And he's not that bad, but he's not no, really... He's not, but he keeping... doesn't take it in because he's so crazy physically gifted in every other sense. He doesn't feel like he needs to. But I don't think this Bucks team is quite deep enough. And I think the Sixers actually have a similar issue in that they don't have enough shooters, obviously. The Bucks have Middleton, who I everyone loves and is kind of... Clay Thompson right now in a way 
um, in a lot of senses, but maybe is doing a little more because he needs to and maybe isn't quite up to Clay Thompson's level in certain respects. But he does he does fill that certain role that he's he takes shots at the end of games. If the guy at the end of the game is going to be taking the shot is Chris Middleton, not Giannis, which is is kind of you know it's hard for me to to reconcile that. Um, with the fact that right. he's going to be an MVP candidate. It's hard for me to see an MVP candidate who's not taking a sh- the last shot at the end of the game. Well, here's no a question for you. Eric Bledsoe, obviously the best point guard in the East is Kyle Lowry right now. I think that's pretty comfortable, and I think even with the way he's been struggling early in the season, Kyrie Irving second. Eric Bledsoe, is he the third best point guard in the East right now? Uh, you could say Kemba Walker, Kemba, but Kemba Walker's Kemba a scoring guard more than a point guard. Yeah, but it's, Kemba's been out of his mind this year. He's had a few bad games recently, but I think they're 8-6 and six or 7-6 and six right now. They've been really good. If he had any yeah, talent around him, um, they'd be a pretty good team. But no, I think but all I'm saying Kemba. is Bledsoe single-handedly shut down Steph Curry, and not many point guards can do that defensively. Bledsoe gets a bad rap because he forced his way out of Phoenix, but wouldn't you force your way out of Phoenix too? Yes, okay. yes, I would. And I don't, Especially when I'm the last of three point guards left and all yeah. the rest of them found salvation elsewhere. I don't love Phoenix. I don't love Bledsoe, but he's filling a good role. They're, and, and the real, I think, oddly, very oddly, the, the key to this puzzle for Milwaukee is Brooke Lopez right now, who is just hitting threes at a rate Splash that Mountain. a 270 pound seven footer really should not be able to. And in a fashion, I think, where he's he'll get the ball and he's his release. Speaking of Clay Thompson, he just gets he he's getting shots off faster than I don't know. If you watch, for instance, if you watch Myers Leonard, who's like a forty five percent three point shooter, it takes him about six seconds to shoot the ball once he catches it. Brooke Lopez just goes fires and he's what he hit like eight the other night. That was insane. Um, and he's one of those guys who just went zero zero like two three four five in his first ten years in the league, and then all of a sudden he's hit like eighty already. Um, and he is a guy that the Lakers could have had for the league minimum and decided not to take. Right. Which is ludicrous. Um, but they'll definitely get more than ten minutes a game out of Tyson Chandler, I believe. That'll last. And that was well, we can if we have time we can go over the Lakers just a second, but. I want to go over Marco Fultz for a second, too, because people have given up on him fully, and I guess I understand why um, that free throw thing, I've never, no one has ever seen anything like what that free throw was or what this whole situation has been like. Uh, I mean, his shooting coach disavowed him yeah, publicly. Right. Um, it's the, it's like he, for someone who's never really been seriously injured, um, it's clearly all mental, and even when he's playing, he looks fine until he has one one of those weird moments every game. Um, but he's still 20 years old and looks pretty good at most of the other things he does. Um, yet people are saying that, you know, he's, a, he's already, I, and I get it, but people are saying that he has no trade value. I'm not, right, what would you, I'm not we'll quite this there. way. What would the Blazers trade for him right now? What would you give up? Um, well, the thing about the Blazers is that they have they have three pieces and then not a whole lot else. So I don't know if the Blazers are the best example. Um, I will say I wouldn't give CJ up for him anymore, um, right. as I might have last year, for instance. Um, but I think that he could potentially be worth more than Jimmy Butler in two years. Like that's I don't think that's a bizarre thing to say, right? 
it's not impossible, especially with Jimmy Butler either ruining him or coaching him into greatness. Yeah. What, I if mean, Jimmy Butler, what if Jimmy Butler just comes in and fixes his jump shot and all of a sudden they have four stars? I think that's a all good I'm theory. saying, Josh Norman was a really bad corner for the first two years of his career. Then he got into a fight with Cam Newton, and that year he was the top three corner in the league, and he got a huge contract in free agency. And that was oh, here we go. You know who I'd rather have Marco Fultz than right now? Josh Jackson. Oh, well, yeah. That's, that goes without saying. No, Josh one, no one's giving Josh Jackson any shit. Josh Jackson is trash. He's so I'm, bad. I have a theory about this. My theory is that Josh Jackson's trying to tank his value so that he will be traded to the Sacramento Kings because he knows he's not better than Mikhail Bridges anyway. So if he's not part of the future there, and the Kings need a big wing, then in theory, Josh Jackson for, say, I don't know, Frank Mason and Yogi Ferrell, two shots at a point guard. How about you just trade him straight up for Justin Jackson? Oh, no, he's better than Justin Jackson. Have you seen Justin Jackson lately? I've seen Josh Jackson lately, and he looks like a catastrophe, too. No, I know. Justin Jackson's not good. But I don't know if the Kings need more bad shooting wings. Uh, uh, last year, Justin Jackson was in the top 10 in the league in open three-point shots, and he was a 26% three-point shooter. Yeah, which is every single person who ever saw him play in college could have told anybody who was drafting him. Uh, he has such a nice 15-foot jumper, though. Yeah, the 15-foot one-handed floater. But anyways, yeah. That's what he should do, is instead of... Faking off the dribble when he has the open three and settling for the floaters, he should just yak up that one-footed floater from yeah. three-foot line. What's the worst that's going to happen? It's like people who can't really shoot, like make the ball go all the way to the rim, so they do those running like half-court shots. Yeah. You, know, you know you're not really shooting from half-court unless you're Steph Curry or Damian Willard, so you kind of just got to like throw it. It's like what Justin Jackson uh, should do. Uh, yeah, all the uh, UCSD pickup basketball players in the last four years know the guy that's Six foot five, about fifty five years old, and he shoots his three pointers from essentially a floater form. Right, looks like Kostakuf is hitting a nine foot layup. Yeah, so my point is here: Marco Fultz is twenty years old. I think that the viral moments like that free throw are really taking over the fact that a he doesn't fit well on that team, which is more why people aren't aren't happy with him. I think is that the Sixers are actually legitimately good, and because he can't shoot, and that's his one flaw right now. Um, yeah, because that's the only thing you'd really be adding right now. Right. Starting in the shooting, and he can't right. do it. Um, obviously, we've discussed at length the problem with him starting next to Ben Simmons, and, and which is just, just a horrible idea, and why I don't think the Sixers are going to win anything is I don't think Brett Brown's actually a very good coach. Um, right, and Jimmy Butler doesn't exactly fix that problem. Jimmy Butler doesn't fix that problem at all. Although, um, one thing it does give them is it gives them, in Simmons, somebody who can defend the 2 3 and 4 in the elite level at Butler, somebody who can defend 1 2 3. And obviously, an Embiid somebody you can defend four or five, and they're, you're only going to face once a year a team that has more than three guys who require that level of guard. Right, uh, and that's only if Demarcus Cousins is healthy. Yeah, but I think if you put them on a team like the Pelicans, for instance, or um, or um, even like the Jazz, who could use a player, a guard next to next to Mitchell. Um, or bring him off the bench of any good team, like the Blazers or anything like that. I think he's a very good player. Obviously, he's a first round pick, so or a first number one pick. So you want more than that. But I think he's, that you watch him play. Six six. It's not. It's not like he's. People are comparing him to Sean Livingston already. Sean Livingston's jumper wasn't broken. He just had the worst injury of all time, like ever. And so he was forced into doing something. He, you know, he turned himself into a player that he wasn't doing. Marco Fultz has never had, he had the shoulder injury, but he's never actually been seriously hurt. Um, when he actually shoots his jumper, it doesn't look that bad. It's just the times where it does look really bad, it looks really, really bad. Um, 
he's only if he's only been playing for like three months total so i think that's part of it too um i don't know if i was somebody like the hawks if you can get if you can get rid of like kent Bazemore for marco fultz right now give, that's not a bad thing. like give like a like a second rounder and kent Bazemore for marco fultz i would do I'll that. throw in alex len to make the salaries match because <laughs> alex len's like the league minimum there you go um <laughs> Phoenix, if you could, I would trade. Like I just said, I'd trade Marco Fultz for Josh Jackson straight up, and I think you could probably get a pick out of Philly for that somehow. Um, you get that twenty twenty three Miami pick back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think about, uh, obviously Jair Smith's not going to be playing all of this year because he's a Philadelphia seventy sixers rookie. But if you think about it, in a world where Jair Smith is healthy and Jair Smith is playing the four, Butler's playing the two, JJ Reddick's playing the three. And you have Markel Fultz coming off the bench and playing with any one of those three wings. He's a good fit next to any of them. Yeah. The Grizzlies? He makes sense. Give him to the Grizzlies? Right. Can we give him the Grizzlies? He's, but I don't think he's going to be more than a sixth man on that team. The Grizzlies, if you have him behind Mike Conley for two years, maybe you've got something there. I mean, you got to think him and Jaren Jackson Jr. just between the size and athleticism, yeah. they got to have something. All I'm saying is... It's ridiculous. The Rockets have Michael Carter-Williams, and there at the very go. least, he's a better Michael Carter-Williams. I bet you could get two late first-rounders for Markel Fultz. Yeah. The, the Rockets need anything at all right now. They're bad, bad. Point is, he's 20 years old. The rest of his game looks completely fine. He goes to the rim with confidence. He looks fine on, on passes. Um, he's not even horrible defensive. Like, it's, it's, he's still, like, a crazy athlete. He wasn't a great shooter in college anyways. Um if you watched him, his strength was finishing at the hoop and and some and pulling up, which he still does. Uh, right, he was one of those forty uh, percent shooters who wasn't really a good right. shooter, uh, such as, for instance, uh, I don't know Marvin Bagley. He's like a LeBron level jump shooter. Yeah, he's fine, and um, he can get to that mid range shot so quickly and get it off so yeah. well. But if his jumper's ever good, that's going to be a good shot. All I'm saying is that I'm staying on this bandwagon for at least another year. Um, and He's so fast when, for his size too. When he turns into a good player, I'm going to be there. So, just saying. Um, what else do we need to cover? Um, uh, the fact that Colin Sexton looks completely lost, and everyone on his yeah, teammates. Yeah, Colin Sexton's. What's that about? Jesus, that's not the rookie I would have seen. That not coming great. Before. To be fair, he got put in a miserable situation um, with a head coach that does not want to be even coaching the team or anything like that. Um, but. Yeah, no, that's been really disappointing. He doesn't seem like a guy who everyone would hate at all. Um, Especially because the guy who seemed exactly like him the year before, who had a, easily, a comparably difficult first year uh, and also played behind George Hill, that being Garen Fox, uh, was given that starting job pretty much because they knew he wasn't a good enough player yet, but they saw something in him. Now Cleveland's saying the opposite. They're saying... He doesn't know how to play basketball. There's no real hope yeah. for him. Well, and it seemed Very like he had, he had more Russell Westbrook than I don't know. Um, yeah, he's got that. He's got that kind of terrifying stare down thing going every time he plays. Yeah, but, people don't seem the the most bizarre thing was yeah his teammates. It seems like I mean this what will happen I guess when you play three on five in a college game you don't really need to play real basketball but yeah the fact yeah. that they said he didn't know how to play real basketball is kind of mystifying, especially coming from. People like J.R. Smith. and I mean, you think about the people who know how to play real basketball on that team, besides Kyle Korver, who really does? What does Kevin Love do? He just, post, he just spots up. Yeah. Sometimes he plays in the low post. What does George Hill do? George Hill's barely a point guard these days. Yeah. Um, 
chances Kyle Korver ends up on the Sixers at some point this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Either the Sixers or the Lakers. I hope yeah. it's not the Lakers. I'd be so sad for him. Yeah. Um, I'd also be so sad for all the Lakers fans who tried to convince me that uh, Steve Mihaljevic was Kyle Korver already. Yeah, no. Um, I will give the Lakers, and they did need Tyson Chandler, no matter yeah. how, you know, he's exactly what they needed somehow. Um, again, like you said, they could have had Brooke Lopez, but having two JaVale McGee's essentially is not a bad thing to have. Um, so, especially as a veteran one. I mean, he's already won them essentially two games, right? So, The worry I have is that both JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler are guys who have to play limited events. Yeah. They're, uh, obviously, JaVale McGee's got the respiratory issues and Tyson Chandler's got the old issues. Yeah. Uh, and I used to think that there was an issue with JaVale McGee's decision-making, but that's clearly... Looks like he's learned something finally with his years the Warriors. I mean, Tyson he's Chandler old, too. He's not Tyson Chandler old, but he's... 30 now. Right. He's been around. Yeah. Um, but Tyson Chandler is sort of like when you get a running back and he's got a productive season well into his 30s, you just, you know, this is going to end at some point. When's it going to end? Yeah, it's like Frank Gore. Um, yeah, you kinda, you're kind of watching you wince because guys who only do that, they only run the rim and they only play those pick and roll lobs, you really worry that's not something that ages well. Yeah. Um, so the, the Nuggets have been slacking off a little bit. Uh, uh, their defense has completely collapsed. Um, Jokic. I know that everyone's obsessed with Jokic right now, but I see a little, and not obviously to anywhere near the same extent, but I see a, a little bit of the same issue Towns has a little bit, is that he doesn't seem to, and I think it stems more from a, being overly unselfish to being than being you know unmotivated like Towns is. Um, but it's unacceptable that he had a game where he only took one shot. Like, that's atrocious. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that a lot of it we blamed on the coach and the team last year. And early this year, um, but at some point, taking one shot is your fault. And then he took like three shots the next game, so that was ridiculous. Um, he's another one of those guys who I just if I'm playing against him, I'm not terrified of him at the end of games. And he's not going to be the guy getting the ball at the end of the game on the Nuggets either. It's, mm-hmm. J- it's Jamal Murray, so um, who I love, I love Jamal Murray. But again, he's. I need to see a little more. Not statistically. Statistically, he's great. But Carl Anthony Towns is great statistically. and you know. Right. It's worrying that Jamal Murray is a point guard who plays better with another point guard next to him. Yeah. That's never a good sign. Um, speaking of point guards, point guards, let's, let's uh, take our victory lap right now. Um, we'll start with De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I just... Every single day, there's a new article on The Ringer about how good De'Aaron Fox is, and it makes me happy every single time. Uh, he is now pretty firmly proven what you can do with speed and heart and all of these other things that are either intangible or not real actual qualities of a good basketball player rather than just attributes of an athlete. Uh, turns out if you put enough of those things together and actually have the player well coached and build an offense around them, they can do stuff. Uh, we've already discussed the Hawks game where he had the 30.15 assist triple-double where uh, he made Trey Young, who he described as a much better rookie than him, look like a small child. Which, to be fair to Trey Young, he does look like a small child child against most NBA point guards. He's very small. Very worried about his defense. (laughs) Uh, He's done things for Willie Cauley-Stein and Buddy Heald that have significantly elevated their ceilings. And he's probably going to make Willie Cauley-Stein about $20 million a year over the next four years simply by finally getting in an offense that focuses on pick and roll with the two of them. Cauley-Stein's a guy who the Kings were talking about not even offering an extension to uh, coming out of this offseason. And now all of a sudden he's a guy who's a core piece. Uh, you look at 
Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's spending a lot less time on ball now that he's come back from injury, but when he plays with Colley Stein, is doing just a lot. And now they have two guys who can initiate pick and roll and play well with two pick and roll playmakers in Colley Stein and Bagley. And they're dangerous when they have those two pairs together, but even more dangerous when the Bogdanovich Bagley pair really leads the bench and the Colley Stein Fox pair leads the starters. And then you can throw in the shooters that they have with obviously Buddy Heel, but also Benamania Bialitsa, and just getting not Justin Jackson is trash, but their other wings, uh, Yogi Ferrell in particular. They just, they have a lot of things, man. They got a lot of stuff. No, it's fun. And I don't think anyone was saying that he was a bust necessarily, but I think a lot of people kind of accepted that he was never going to be like the best player on the team. I um, think uh, a scout said in this preseason that the ceiling's still there, but the floor's fallen out. There's a real chance that he ends up a bust but there's still the same chance he ends up a star that was there before. And yeah. I think I kind of agree. Yeah. So, so we all, we all liked him. Um, but you know, it was, it was more of a, we saw him coming out of Kentucky. Uh, we saw that we all saw the, the, the Lonzo ball game. Um, yeah. we'll, we never all, forget. we'll never forget that game. We were all on him. We never understood why Lonzo ball was a consensus better better pick than than him uh, and now we're seeing that he's clearly very good um, so yeah we like it we like what we see out of the kings um, it's uh i would actually compare him not necessarily in play style but in kind of position as a leader of a small market team who's coming together in the second season in a way people really didn't expect to damian lillard yeah well i mean damian lillard had a was rookie of the year to be fair but Right, but yes. the jump he made to his, from yes, his second year was from good rookie of the year to all-star. Yes, um, which makes a good transition into the Blazers. Um, and the Kings are deservedly getting a lot of national attention. The Blazers are still getting none. Which is um, weird because they're second in the West. Which is bizarre because they're second in the West. And I'm used, to, I'm used to being a salty Blazers fan who never gets any national attention. But they're ten and three right now. They just had a homestand where they beat the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Clippers. They have um, a third player now, and it's not Yusuf Nurkic anymore. They have a real third player. And and Yusuf Nurkic has been very good this year, by the way. Um, right. He's a, so and, and now we can finally just say that he's a good role player because they have a real great center behind him who does right. more. They go nine deep. Um, I would. They have a decent bench with a lot of shooting. They have a great bench i think they have by numbers wise they're the second best bench in the league behind the clippers right now um and with clippers considering they have two benches um that's not really saying much but um yeah willard is somehow again taking it up another level and i think seth curry still doesn't look all that great he's taking too many speaking of too many long twos he's taking too many long twos um so when he starts getting a little better he looked like he started taking a, he had a few more threes last game which looked good um myers leonard is starting to play you know 6.6 rebounds a game which is really good um about what we're going to get out of him we've talked about collins at length cj hasn't even been that good but he was western conference player of the week last week so he looks better uh Evan Turner, I'd argue, has been the best part of the entire season. He looks amazing. He looks Boston Evan Turner. He might even look better. Really, really excellent defender. Um, uh, Evan Turner, by the way, is another guy who could be a blueprint for what Markel Fultz could be as he has to transition into being a role player. Right, but he, I mean, see, Markel Fultz is a much better athlete and should be a much better shooter than Evan Turner. So, I don't know. I, we'll see about Markel, Markel Fultz, but yes. Um, and then... Yeah, it's just they're ten and three. They're playing the Lakers again tonight. Um, 
it's a little bit maybe crazy to say this, but they probably should be undefeated right now if you take all their wins and then look at the teams they've lost to, which are the Lakers, Miami, and Washington. Um, they could very easily be undefeated right now. Which, by the way, why are they playing the Lakers three times in a month? Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, the, Grizzly, like the, the Grizzlies Jazz and the Jazz, yeah, just played three times or two. Um, so we'll see how they do tonight against the Lakers in L.A. Um, after losing for the first time in something like five or six years uh, a couple last week. Um, but, yeah, they're getting no attention at all, which is kind of ridiculous, not just from being a, a salty fan who wants his team to get national attention. It's kind of bizarre that they're literally second in the West, and they've been beating good teams, too. It's not like they've been beating bad teams. Um, all they need is the Warriors to lose another game. Uh, yeah. They're playing the Rockets tomorrow. If the Warriors lose that game and the Blazers win this one, the Blazers are the top team in the West. Especially as the Nuggets have been slipping, the Pelicans have been slipping. Right, also, the Nuggets' defensive renaissance is completely gone already. Yeah. The Pelicans are, quite frankly, they look incapable of playing at the pace that they're trying to hold. Yeah, Alfred Payton has somehow turned into somebody they literally cannot play without, which is bizarre in so many ways. Um, yeah, the Jazz are not playing well at all this year. They're not even in the playoffs right now. Um, right, which is interesting because Michelin Gobert have been playing spectacularly, just and Joe Ingles, but yes. only those three. Everybody else is terrible. Yeah. Um, the Clippers look like a top-five team just for somehow. SGA looks really good, by the way. Um, I don't know if we had thoughts on him being an NBA player or not. I didn't really have an opinion on him. But I didn't think too much of him coming out of college. I know there were Michael Carter-Williams uh, comps that were floating around out there, and he certainly looks better than that. Uh, he looks like a more Sean Livingston who can do a lot more. Um, I hope there comes a day when all tall point guards aren't Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. Plus uh, Lonzo Ball for being too weird and too bad at too many things to even get the Michael Carter-Williams comparison. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you had Lonzo, Josh Jackson, and Markel Fultz, who, all of whom look really bad. So Boston and Sacramento kind of won, right? Yeah. I mean, here's the weird thing is Sacramento's basically won every bad trade that they've had so far because, sure, that salary cut was cut. Salary drop was terrible, and they're going to lose their first-round pick this year. But realistically, that first-round pick that people were talking about as number one is probably going to be 12th or 13th. Yeah, I mean, right yeah. now I saw something crazy that was like the Celtics right now, if the season ended, their their pick would be a, a better pick than the Kings pick, which is hilarious. Um, that won't stay, but I, no, won't, I, but I think it's still going to be a high lottery pick. That's funny. And the DeMarcus Cousins trade, they turned that into two first-round picks. Harry Giles, we haven't seen enough from yet. Justin Jackson's obviously garbage. A second-round pick of Frank Mason, who's also not my favorite person, but also Buddy Heald, and all of those assets on their own, plus Buddy Heald, is definitely worth more than a one-year rental of DeMarcus Cousins was. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's really anything else to go over. Uh, I mentioned that I would be oddly okay with Carmel Anthony signing with the Blazers, but nope. that was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, but it would be kind of hilarious. Uh, How are you, he and Evan Turner going to possibly work together, though? One of them shoots, kind of. One of them does not. Um, yes. I don't know. We'll I don't see. even know. Just, it would be, it'd be more of just something of someone like Carmelo being willing to come to Portland, I think, would be the bigger coup. And that Lillard and McCollum have acqu- and Turner have actively recruited him. So, um, Right. That's my concern, though. It seems like a lot of these guys, especially these younger players, are fans of Carmelo Anthony to the point where they're blinded to how bad he is now. Yeah, but I mean, there's not that many better cultural places to go than not cultural in terms of diversity, but 
basketball culture. But cultural is in locker room. <laughs> Portland's in Portland, good. so. Um, uh, and worst case scenario, you, you just wave him again. So, there's. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but I think a lot of people would be furious if it happened. I would not be furious. I'd be willing to give it a chance. So. Yeah. My only concern is just you look at what happened when uh, Paul George and, and Carmelo Anthony both went to OKC at the same time. In theory, they're both established stars beforehand who really needed the ball in their hands to score his wings. Paul George changed his play style entirely to focus more off ball, changed his whole way of thinking, and was happily staying somewhere that he didn't really make sense as a rental in the first place. Yeah. And Carmelo Anthony was paid to be pushed out the door. Yeah. So I have a worry. Well, and that's the difference, though, right, is that they would just waive him because he's not making any more money than the minimum right now. So... Right, it's entirely possible he gets waived by three teams this year. So it could be it could be Philly, it could be the Lakers, it could be Portland. I think we can all agree that objectively the funniest possible situation is him going to the Lakers. Oh yeah, absolutely. The Lakers will play him as a center, and that's that's not even a joke. I'm yeah. certain that's what they would do with him. Yeah, so um, I think that is that is all. Um, there's nothing else. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Zion Williamson, who just yes. did another big dunk and is still a three hundred pound man shaped like a left tackle. That Duke team is horrifying, ruining college basketball. Nightmarish. <laughs> I hate to say it, but kind of really cool. I mean, they've had a lot of good teams. Like they've had, you know, years where they've had three out of the top ten recruits, like they did this year. Three out of the top five, I guess, is what they had this year. Um, but they right. ne- it's, they've never really looked good together, and this is kind of the first year they've actually looked good together, which is kind of scary. Um, like, even if you look at that Luke Kennard team, that was Luke Kennard, Jason Tatum, uh, Grayson Allen somehow, and Harry Giles on paper, all of those guys were elite recruits. Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, Bull Bull, who is maybe, if, without, if it wasn't for Zion Williamson, he would be, and maybe even still, is probably a freakier athlete than Zion Williamson in a lot of ways. Bull Bull's just a weird player because Bull Bull looks a little bit like Mo Bamba. Obviously not quite the wingspan, but still a hilarious wingspan. But he's also a genuinely good shooter. He's not a guy who he's can't a, shoot. He's a genuinely good shooter, and he's not only a genuinely good shooter, but he's a genuinely good ball handler, um, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, uh, right now I would still have R.J. Barrett at number one, but I had Zion Williamson around six, Bull Bull around ten. I have him at two and three right now. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay, well, I think that'll that'll wrap it up for today. Um, uh, I'm so sorry to Cameron Reddish, who is yeah. so wildly uninteresting compared to the other two, but still probably the number four overall pick in that Yes, um, or in a Seared Little or any of those guys. But um, I don't know. Cameron yeah. Reddish's jumper is also just insane. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Now, that Duke team has no business losing any games this year. So yeah, that Duke team has come to the point with the 38 and one Kentucky team where they're so good that I'm now morbidly curious. I actually want them to score 50 on their opponent. Yeah. Every quarter. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back um, with some, probably some NFL stuff uh, next week. But for now, that is it. up guys welcome back to west coast bias season three episode nine um this is going to be a primarily anthony davis focused podcast after the news broke this morning that he has requested a trade uh, out of new orleans um i think what i want to do is started to start with a, a brief summary of how uh the pelicans screwed up this this position that they're in now um with uh with a 
one of the best power forwards ever, only 25. Um, how they got in the situation where he's demanding a trade at midseason uh, and then being six games out of the playoffs. Uh, anyways, um, and then we're going to move into some trades involving Davis. Uh, after we finish that, we're going to go into some just trade deadline talk and then finish with a brief Super Bowl prediction. Um, so how did the Pelicans get into this situation? Should we go all the way back to Chris Paul? Uh, I think we're going to have to go back even further to there was a franchise in Charlotte, and then there wasn't. And for some reason, they thought it would work in New Orleans. A franchise that failed 30 years earlier. There had ever, never at any point been any interest in basketball or baseball or hockey, for that matter, or anything but professional and college football. Then they drafted a superstar, uh, pretty much by chance, in Chris Paul, who only fell to them because he chose to go to college. Uh, had he not, probably would have already ended up uh, in the super team with the Miami Heat with his good friends of however many years since they were 12 years old or whatever, LeBron James, Dwayne Witt, and Chris Bosh. Instead, he goes to New Orleans with a shocking amount of talent on that Hornets team. When you look back at it, you're surprised that that team was not good. Yeah. They got J.R. Smith in that draft. They had David West when David West was somebody worth talking about. That was a viable NBA team. And then they added a guy that was, within his second season, putting up what could be considered top 10 efficiency numbers, and within his third season, putting up MVP numbers. And they went to the playoffs a total of like, three times with Chris Paul. Yeah, and none of them were high seed. One series win with Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, then he was traded to the Lakers for very little. Uh, but because the team had just been sold back to the NBA, uh, they were NBA was able to veto this trade on account of it being bad. And instead, the uh, Clippers put together a better package that still wasn't great. Paul, Paul was shipped out. Uh, the Clippers would later trade what would be the number one pick in that same draft that became Kyrie Irving for moderate point guard relief because they're a bad franchise. And Chris Paul and the Clippers did slightly better in the West but still did never really win anything. But they won multiple series and Chris Paul established himself as a right. and then the the next The next step was, uh, I guess, really just starting with Robin Lopez, um, turning that position into Tyreek Evans. Um then for about eighty million, I believe they uh, went out and filled the Robin Lopez void with uh, Omar Ashik. Which, looking back, you got to remember uh, first thing, uh, it got out tanked by the uh, Charlotte Bobcats, worst right, team ever, which is hilarious, and still got Davis somehow. Yeah, uh, had a blessing in their lap, handed to them twice in a row, almost as if the NBA was giving them some recompense for canceling their first deal. And then they turned Robin Lopez into Tyreek Evans. And then Omar Ashik and Alexis Ajinka, right as the league is kind of pulling away from that kind of big man. Not that those two were worth anywhere near the amount of money they paid for him in the first place. Um, but So they had Omar Ashik and Alexis Ajinka, and this was, what, 2015-ish? Um, that's got to go down, I think, as one of the worst free agents or just general contracts um, ever, just because you, you're giving those two $80 million dollars combined um neither of them Ashi at one time was a serviceable player he was never anything more than that um then they went ahead and gave 52 million dollars to solomon hill and let their actual reasonable assets such as eric gordon um alfaruka minu uh ryan anderson go in free agency for nothing um 
and Eric Gordon was nothing on that team, and the next year he was sixth player of the uh, sixth player of the year. Right. So this, so that's how we got here. I mean, Dell Demps is still around. Um, he uh, should get. He should not be anymore. He should be fired immediately. Someone should buy that team and move it to Seattle. Um, two more things, by the way, that you're forgetting. Uh, first, they had two first round picks after the 2012 draft in which they selected Davis. They had three total after Davis if you count their tenth overall pick in 2012. They picked Austin Rivers with that selection. After that, they, in 2013, selected Nerlens Noel, sixth overall, traded him to Philadelphia for Drew Holiday, who was good, but then they gave him back his contract and has been hurt for a very large portion of his time in New Orleans. In 2016, Buddy Heald, who was the prize of that draft to many. They traded him for DeMarcus Cousins, who they let walk in free agency. Um, And now Buddy Heald is good, Nerlens Noel is finally good, and Austin Rivers is somehow even competent. So even the bad players they let go end up being good. Right, so it's it's just been... Uh, overall, just fiasco. The only, the only deal you can really even look at and say that they won, um, in any sense, was the was the holiday, was the holiday deal for Noel, um, right? Which uh, of course started the process. Which, but, but I mean, and that made them think that they were better than they were, and they went out and did things like sign Solomon Hill. So all these things would come together to put them in this situation. Anthony Davis is oft, often on injured. I wouldn't necessarily call him. Um, you know, he doesn't get, he doesn't get a lot of serious injuries, but they're all these little finger injuries, um, right, stuff like that. He plays 60 games a year every right. year. Um, so here we are. Um, and today, Rich Paul, who obviously is the agent of LeBron and all that stuff, um, told the Pelicans that he was willing to request a trade. Um, now, this is clearly... Um, it was a very good move on his part, right? If he wants to go to the, the Lakers for whatever reason, I don't know why he'd prefer to go to the Lakers over the Celtics, but he does. It seems like this seems like this is what this trade is geared at because uh, the Celtics are unable to trade for him until the summer. Um, and this is really kind of an incredible situation in sports. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before where it's essentially one team um, has, you know, a few months to get a deal across or else... Um, they're going to lose a top 10 player or top 20 player of all time, perhaps. Um, it's just kind of a bizarre situation. It's really interesting. I don't want the Lakers to get him, but it's going to be a uh, interesting few weeks for sure. It's, I'm not sure it's something that's going to be resolved before summer just because the value is going to be driven up so much by Celtics entering that bidding war. But... Whether it's decided in two weeks or it's decided in six months, it's going to be done by the calendar year 2020. Certainly going to be done by the beginning of 2019, unless we have a certain Jimmy Butler situation where things drag on for no clear reason. Uh, I don't think, uh, for all of his faults, I don't think Dell Demps holds, holds spite in the same way that Tom Thibodeau did. So there's a good chance that he'll be moved, fortunately, more quickly than that. Sure. Um, I think the consensus is right now that if he, if he does not, the Lakers cannot put a package together um, in the next few weeks that he'll end up on the Celtics in the summer. Uh, right. Said Lakers package, you would think would have to include all of Kuzma, Lonzo, and Ingram. And Hart. And Hart, most likely, and most likely as picks as well. Um, the report today was that the deal was starting with uh, Zubats in place of Ingram, which is kind of hilarious. Um, that, that, was, that was the leaping point. Uh, for for what the Pelicans are going to start asking from them, um, the question is why why would the Pelicans, knowing that the Celtics have much more to offer, um, take a take a Lakers deal at this point? 
when they well, they really in this situation they have the leverage. They they're, they're there's no reason that they would be forced into making this trade because no one can force them into doing the trade. Well, let me extrapolate further. Would that Lakers package be enough to get Jason Tatum? No, right. Right. And I, I mean, I, I'll make this argument in, when we, we're going over some of our, our trade machine trades, but um, based on now, and sure, Brandon Ingram could turn into a better player than Jason Tatum, hypothetically, um, but he's certainly not now. He's shown very little to suggest that he will be there. Lonzo is not a big enough asset. So at this point, Kuzma is, is the best current, current asset. Ingram's still probably the best asset in the trade, but... Until he starts showing, and he's only 21, so we'll, we'll be able to see a little more later. But right now, I can think of you know six or seven more other teams that can put together much better packages for for Davis. Um, and again, as I said, the Pelicans are the ones who really have the leverage here. So um, the only thing the Lakers really have going for them is, and this is a significant, not an insignificant thing, is that LeBron is there, and that they're based in LA, and that Davis seems to want to go there. Um, but again, should Boston or New York's come in, you'd think that he'd be okay with either of those two. Certainly. I mean, it would go without saying that if he had the opportunity to go to a team like the New York Knicks with a Kevin Durant coming in free agency, or uh, even just if they somehow keep him in a trade with a Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis coming back, that that's a more interesting basketball proposition than playing in Los Angeles next to LeBron James and literally nobody else. Well, and what I, what I would want to argue here is that, yes, so say, say this trade goes through, the one I have down is Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Zubats, Hart, and KCP for Davis and Etwan Moore, for instance. Um, that leaves a starting lineup of Davis, LeBron, Rondo, JaVale McGee, and who else? I mean... Exactly. If you, uh, the reason why I made that expanded that trade to get more in there because I just I think they would have to have that player. Um, is that team beating the Warriors? Is that team necessarily? It's a playoff team, uh, but it's a playoff team on the backs of two players. Just as this is a playoff team on the backs of one player, is that a top four seed? Is I, that better I, I, than the Rockets with Chris Paul, Harden, Capella, and PJ Tucker as their only four viable players? I don't know if it's is a that, better team. I think it is a better team, perhaps in the playoffs. I think Davis and LeBron would be a tough team to beat um, if they could put any semblance of a roster around them. I don't think it's anywhere near good enough to beat the Warriors. Um, LeBron is, what, now 33? 32? So uh, he probably doesn't have more than one or two more years left. So essentially, you're gambling um, all of these, whatever you think of, of these young assets and Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, and, and obviously, we, as we stated, it would take future picks. So essentially, you're you're doing kind of a Brooklyn Nets deal here um, to get Anthony Davis, who has never played a full season healthy, um, who would be coming to join LeBron and a team of nothing else. Um, and just to play devil's advocate, is that actually a good deal for the Lakers this year? While the Warriors are still what they are, what will you see the East has a ton of talent in it, so there's no guarantee, even if you got by the Warriors, that you'd be able to win the finals. Um, I think you have to do it if you're them, but is that really ultimately actually a good trade? Well, it's worth noting that the Pelicans right now are a team entirely built around Anthony Davis with a great defensive guard, Drew Holiday, there, who is borderline all-star caliber as is. Yeah. Then you also have a 
good shooting the power forward next to him, Nikola Mirotic, who is the theoretical perfect front court fit with Davis, and last year kind of proved that. And that team is still worse than the Memphis Grizzlies, well, not the, Memphis, not the Grizzlies anymore, uh, but the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Sacramento Kings, and the Dallas Mavericks, all three of which are essentially entirely unproved teams with one total playoff appearance between them, and none of them having a real actual all-star besides Carl Anthony Towns, who people consider half a player. Right, and so yes, I think it would be good entertainment value. I think should they make it past the eighth seed, um, they would be a tough team to contend with just on the backs of having two out of the best three or four players in the league. Um, I don't think that's, I think, you know, that's, can't really argue with that. But is that, you're then gambling that you can go out and get someone like Kawhi in the summer or or Clay Thompson or something like that, which is also not an unrealistic ex- explanation for what they'd be doing, but also no guarantee. So that's a huge, huge risk on the part of the Lakers. Um, and you really, they're really relying on their cachet, which is also not probably the worst idea, but again, comes with a tremendous amount of risk. Right. I also, I, one last point about the Lakers and, 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 the, the Pelicans having their leverage. Um, why would you play Anthony Davis the rest of the year? You got to sit him, right? The rest of the year, if you're there. I mean, you, you think because you can only thing you could do is hurt his trade value and win more games. And if you're not going to make the playoff this year, if he gets a season-ending injury for whatever reason, then you're there. You're screwed because he still doesn't want to be there. But then you're in a situation where your asset is about fifty percent of what it was. Um, you know, people would still want him, but I don't think he'd be able to get you know, something else out of them. Right. Um, let's move on to what, before we get to some other teams that might, that will be making offers or that we think might be making offers in during this season, let's move on to what we think the Celtics would theoretically offer. Um, I think before the season, when some players' stocks were a little higher than they currently are and some of their picks were potentially a little more valuable than they are now, the Kings pick... Um, you know, some of those other picks that, that maybe people thought were going to be a little better but aren't actually as good. Um, it didn't seem like Tatum was even on the table even for a Davis trade, or if he was, it was going to be at a kind of desperation on the Celtics' part. But I think he'd have to be in a deal now at this point because I don't think any of their other assets are worth enough. Uh, certainly, I think they're hurt by the... Uh... Memphis not necessarily deciding to tank this year, which is what they really should be doing, but instead attempting to convey this pick as quickly as possible. Uh, that cap off its ceiling at ninth as where it's their protection is. Uh, Sacramento, obviously, their resurgence, that pick will be between 10th and 16th or so. And all of a sudden, you're talking about a team that was supposed to have four draft picks, two of which were lottery picks. Now they're not going to have a pick capable of picking up an elite talent in a relatively shallow draft. Right. So what would a potential – say say there's no deal that gets done and Boston goes in the summer, theoretically thinking that they have the inside track on, on landing Davis, um, what would the deal look like at this point? Well, I think any deal would – first and foremost, it goes without saying that would include Jalen Brown, whose trade value has almost – has collapsed, but it's – been about cut in half by his play this season. Uh, he's no longer a starter on that team. I don't think it could include Gordon Hayward anymore, who would be the obvious choice in the preseason designs of this trade, because Hayward is no longer playing up to the value of his contract and is quickly becoming somebody we're talking about as 
not even deserving of his contract, let alone having real trade value. I think it would have to include Terry Rozier, who's a restricted free agent this year and has deeply regressed going back to his bench role after succeeding as a starter. And I think it would have to include Marcus Smart, not only because he adds salary that helps this. Yeah, the the salary part means he has to be in it. Right, uh, but he's not only a salary fit, but he's an asset. He's a viable backcourt starter next to Drew Holiday that would create a very unique elite defensive backcourt, which there are none of in the entire NBA. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so even with the the knowledge and the agreement that we have that the the Celtics' assets are not perhaps what they were at the start of the year, still the best. We haven't even met. It's they're just players alone that's better than what the Lakers have and we haven't even talked about the four picks they, they have which are really what the Pelicans are probably going to want to look at uh, so if they could do something like Tatum, Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart uh, plus two first round picks, three first round picks that's already probably you know twice as much as as what the Lakers can offer uh, even if you are high on Brandon Ingram I think Tatum alone is still worth that trio that the Lakers have Oh, absolutely. I I don't really I don't really know how this trade looks with Tatum involved because without Tatum, it's pretty simple. It's the three mid tier prospects and maybe another expiring contract and a ton of picks. With Tatum, I'm not really sure how else you restructure it. Would that just be Tatum Brown and a contract? I think it would have to be Tatum Brown a contract and then two picks. Okay, I think. Tatum, and maybe uh, maybe you'd get someone like I don't know Miritich back or something you know some right, some other part player. yeah uh, that's another problem by the way is that New Orleans has no mid tier prospects you look at a team like the Lakers which has all mid tier prospects uh, and that makes these trades a lot easier because there's a lot more pieces that you can put in that can make things work New Orleans has no other player that can sweeten the pot on the other side like you look at the Toronto trade for Kawhi Leonard only worked because they had a good player on a good contract in Danny Green that could be added to sweeten things. And Marcus Smart is that for Boston. They have nobody like that except for maybe Miritich, who I think would be their best player if Davis leaves outside of Drew Holiday and probably shouldn't be given up. And he's also old and has no higher ceiling than that. Well, and Miritich, keep in mind, Pelicans, if they traded Davis, they would not be done, right? They'd probably want to get rid of Drew Holiday. Uh, right. and mere attention try to just they'd have to blow it all up um, because there's those two aren't really compatible with any any kind of you know prospects or anything like that they're both old above 26 27 um, so there'd have, you'd have to assume there'd be kind of a fire sale once that happened if it did happen in the season or even if it happens in the summer um, the other so before we get into some other more fun deals that do not involve the Lakers or the Celtics. Um, it is interesting to note too that things become a lot clearer once the draft lottery happens, right? And so, and we know know who has what pick. Um, because well, here's a question for you: Eight years of Zion Williamson is that equivalent to a year and a half of Anthony Davis in his prime? I mean, we'll never really know, will we? I, at this point, I would say I would say no. It's not. I would rather have Davis because as, as I don't think. Zion's quite as valuable an NBA prospect as most do, um, but it's you know he could be a superstar for eight years, and in that case, yes. Um, but that that's all about valuation, right? It depends on on who sees what and in what ways. Um, and I think it goes without saying though that the team that gets the number one overall pick, which is another reason to wait for summer, of course, 
the team that gets the number one overall pick is going to have about twice the value of the number two overall pick yes. as an asset. Easily. Yeah. Um, well, since since we're there, let's go straight into the Knicks, right? Let's let's start with that. What kind of um, Anthony Davis type trade? Um, would move the needle and I think this as we were just talking about this makes a big difference based on when it's done if it's done um, in the summer and they've theoretically won the draft lottery um, and have Zion Williamson it's a lot different than if they were to do it now and offer that their unprotected lottery pick plus whatever else they'd offer it's a, it makes a huge difference uh, right. you'd think if they don't if they win the draft lottery and they do it in the summer. I mean, you would think that Kevin Knox, number one overall pick in one expiring contract, probably Cantor gets it done. Uh, if they do it now, I don't think I don't think that gets it done. I think if the Celtics can outflank that quite easily, um, I don't think the Celtics, if they don't want to get rid of Tatum, which is what all the reports say, I don't think the Celtics can even come close to matching the ceiling. Right. It is it is about it is all about Tatum, and, and if and if you right. know, and and, and it's. It seems it's such a short time in the future, but say he Tatum leads the Celtics to a, a NBA Finals, um, and he starts playing a lot better than he did the rest of this year. Um, all of a sudden, he's arguably worth more than Anthony Davis if he becomes the best player on the Finals team. Um, True. So uh, he already had more playoff success than Anthony Davis ever has. Of course, is, it's easier in the East, but nonetheless, he got to, he got a team to an Eastern Conference Finals. And right. Same goes for Jalen Brown. Same goes for Terry Rozier. So the other thing that people have been proposing, right, would be very Knicks-ish, would, was, would be Porzingis um, plus that pick um, for, for Davis. Um, right. would that, this is what I have written would that be Would that be a reasonable deal? Uh, would you I have think, to include someone like Knox in that? Yeah, so the thing I actually have written is Porzingis-Knox 2019 first, and I think that's because Porzingis' value has taken a knock in this year. That's what I have. That's exactly what I have, too. Um, uh, I think, you'd have, I think you'd still have to get get off a contract, though, so I think you'd probably have to send someone like Courtney right. or something have, like that. And it's Cantor in there as well. Yeah. It's the contract that I get rid of. Uh, and it's Cantor, of course, isn't expiring yet this year, so they couldn't use it in the summer. Uh, personally, I think that if Porzingis were fully healthy, Porzingis and Knox would get it done without the first. But right now, with him having his torn ACL, no idea how he's going to recover up wise. He's a much better athlete than you probably remember, having not seen him play in a year. Uh, certainly, uh, his shooting and shot blocking are his two greatest skills, but he's also 